You're listening to episode number 118 of the Leading Wild Green podcast, where my mission is to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. I'm your host, Pierre Quinn, and my guest today is Sterling McKinley, author of the book, Binge Worthy Branding, Build Customer Loyalty Using AI and Personalization like Amazon, Netflix, and Starbucks. Now, before we jump into the conversation with Sterling, I know some of you are asking, where has this guy been? I mean, has he just fallen off the face of the earth? Does he even care about his podcast anymore? What's been going on? Yes, I still care about my podcast. Yes, I'm still here. There's just been a lot going on. I mean, a lot going on. And and COVID has, man, done a lot, done a lot. And I know a lot of people have responded in different ways. We know some industries are doing extremely well. Some people, their businesses have not recovered. I mean, the unemployment statistics are staggering and everyone's just trying to figure it out. We're at the space now where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for school in the fall. And so many states are wrestling with the question, do we allow kids to go back to school? Do we do alternate days? Do we do distance learning? There's a lot. There is so much. And our family has been impacted by it as well. So I decided to take some time off, you know, those, those memes that were going around or those, those sayings on social media, you've never lived through a pandemic before. So don't feel the pressure to be productive. Yeah. That was what I was wrestling with that pressure to be productive and to navigate this in so many different ways. So decided to take a step back from the podcast. I'm still putting out content, still doing some video stuff. I'm still working, still training, still doing keynotes, all of that, all through the COVID experience. But I took a step back from the podcast just to refresh. And because of that, I have several lost tape episodes. Well, they're, they're, they're not forgotten. It's just through the course of taking a step back and reflecting, I, I have a backlog of content that I need to share with you, my Leading Wild Green community. So we're going to work on getting caught up with all of the interviews that we've recorded months ago. And then we have some more recent interviews that we need to share with you as well. So we're going to work to get that to you and get everybody up to speed and look at what a new season or new time for the Leading Wild Green podcast looks like. That being said, I know a lot of you have been binge watching episodes. Still look at the analytics of the podcast and and it lets me know how many of you are watching weekly. And some of you have just been been binge watching Old episodes, and that's cool. That's great. I'm glad that you that you've been listening. Most of our episodes, and you can't get everything out of it in one listen. So you have to go back and take notes and reflect as well. So grateful to all of you who have been doing that and who have been in support of the Leading While Green podcast. Okay, my guest for today is Sterling McKinley. Now, Sterling is a window pane suit wearing international keynote speaker who specializes in digital marketing and brand strategies. With more than a decade of experience working on projects with the Department of Defense, with Bridgestone Golf, and Sprint, his firm, McKinley Media, provides digital marketing, social media, and branding strategies. His writing and presentations are the perfect blend of useful, simple, practical, and relatable advice. His goal is to help brands become more human while building stronger connections with their customers. Sterling lives outside of Washington, D.C. with his wife and soon-to-be-born son. He enjoys traveling to speaking engagements worldwide. Here's my conversation with Sterling McKinley. I'm excited to be joined on this episode of the Leading While Green podcast by Sterling McKinley. Sterling, thanks for being my guest today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So let, let, let's talk, man. Let's talk about the name, bro. Like, honestly, you have one of those secret <laughs> agent names. And we're, right. we're going to encourage everybody to pick up a copy of Binge Worthy Branding, Sterling's new book. And on the back of the book, you know, you got the window pane suit on dressed like <laughs> a secret agent. Like, did your right. parents ever tell you the story or what's the, what's the narrative behind the, the name Sterling? And then, you know, the family yeah, name so Sterling. Funny story is it's like a family name. So I'm like the fifth Sterling 
And uh, so it's funny, my, my father's middle name is, is Sterling. My brother's middle name is Sterling. My grandfather's middle name is Sterling. His father's name was Sterling. So it kinda, it's kind of a family name. And my son, that's going to be born in a few days here, is going to be named Sterling. So um, it's a family name. And, and it's funny, as, as a child growing up, I hated the name because it was different. You know, people made fun of me, but as I as I grew up and got into business, I said, "Wow, this is this is the perfect name. It stands out. It's unique, and uh, you know, it, it means something. I think it's really important that your name means means something." So, 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 talk to us about that journey of of getting into business. Like, what was your kind of matriculation experience when you when you first went to college, or right. when you first started high school? Even did you have sort of this picture of how life is right now in terms of what your focus would be? Um, I did, but it, it's much different than what I thought it would be. So, you know, if you asked me, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I thought I would be CEO, you know, sitting in a corporate job um, with people under me. And, you know, for years, I tried to make that vision happen, but I felt like God would just tell me that's not it. I don't want you you know, sitting behind a desk all day, I want you out here with, with people, you know, interacting and teaching and training. So um, in some ways, I, I, I saw this, but it's much different than I thought, thought it would be. And honestly, it's, it's better than I thought it would be. You know, I have a lot more freedom uh, than what I did when I was working in corporate America or when I had my own business working with a lot of clients. Um, so it's kind of funny how, how things go. And, you know, it's funny. I, I always hear that quote that, you know, that God will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard that quote differently a few weeks ago by T.D. Jakes. He said that God will make his desires, his desires of your heart. And I said, wow, that's funny because I think back, I never wanted to be a speaker. <laughs> I, I hated speakers. I said they were phony, you know, all their flashy suits and their, their stage pictures. I hated you know, the idea of being a speaker, but... <laughs> It's funny how it happened. Now I'm a speaker and, and I love it. So it's just funny that it's, it's just the farthing away from what I thought I'd be doing. And, you know, also when I grew up as a kid, I was very, very shy, very to myself. So when I meet, you know, friends or family that knew me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they're, they're shocked. They're amazed. Like, who is this guy? And I'm, a, I'm amazed too. You know, I, I always just stop and just reflect, you know, where, where I came from and how I got here. What would you say were were integral parts to to that transformation uh, for you? Was there some sort of watershed moment where it just kind of clicked and uh, you know you you adjusted or had a different frame of mind, or was it like a gradual yeah. process of kind of forming and being molded into you know the the person right. in the space where you're you're called to be? Yeah, I, I think there was a few uh, a few key moments. Um, so I'll start off with one. Um, uh, I made uh, pretty much all these and F's until the uh, seventh grade. And, mm-hmm. you know, the teacher said, hey, Sterling, if you don't turn around, you'll be put in their middle classes. And, you know, at that time, you know, girls were a big motivation. So I said, hey, you know, girls don't like guys in these classes. So I got to get, <laughs> get better at school. So, you know, I studied, I trained, and, you know, that summer I took all the classes, all the workbooks, and that next year I made uh, honor roll for the first time, all A's and B's. And that was my first experience where I just learned, wow, if I really, you know, pray and focus and dedicate myself to something, I, I can really make a change. So uh, then from there, you know, uh, I was in high school and I playing basketball, uh, like many kids, you know, the NBA and hoop dreams, they take it on my mind. And. I thought I would be in the NBA. <laughs> and uh, my high school team, we actually won the state championship. And i never forget that after the game, everyone was in the room, and locker room. They were celebrating and they were cheering. And I was just sitting there like, this is it? <laughs> you know, I thought it would be, be more than this. And, you know, from that point on, I quit basketball. And everybody said I was crazy. You know, I lost friends. You know, I, I, I became a joke. People told me I was crazy. What you doing? But I quit basketball so I could devote myself to FBLA, which is uh, Future Business Leads of America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, basketball, it always kind of conflicted with that, that schedule. And I went on to FBLA, you know, the first year. I, I made state. Uh, you know, I did very good in that. And that's what kind of started the kind of the, the business side of me. And then fast forward a few years later, uh, I went to college. You know, i never forget um, – 
back in uh, 2000, there was the internet uh, bus, the dot-com bus. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were all these big internet companies. And, you know, this is a little, they were a little ahead of their time. And, you know, pretty much they crashed and a lot of people lost money. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, the internet, is it going to come back? Is it worth it? Is it a fad? But I just knew that the internet was going to just change everything, that digital had the power to just, just touch everything. So uh, I had a bright idea on college. I wanted to drop out and I wanted to uh, get my degree in web design. So I remember sitting down at the table with my parents. I had this big folder. I had all these stats and workforce projections about digital. I made a great case to my parents and they just laughed at me. And they said, all right, it sounds great. But stay in school and get your degree. So I, I did stay in school, but I, that's when I started my business. And I started out doing work for friends and family, churches, nonprofits. Um, and that's really, you know, how I got my start uh, from there. Um, last part of that, um, I had a job out of school doing uh, radio sales for uh, iHeartRadio. Did really well, but I was miserable. Um, and the job was commission-based, so jobs that are commissioned are tough because <laughs> you never can take a break. And um, I worked hard for there for about eight months. I saved up about $3,000, left my job. Once again, everybody told me I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a one-bedroom apartment with a walk-in closet. I turned that walk-in closet into an office. Um, and I started my business there. So, you know, those are a few of my aha moments. And I'll give you one more. <laughs> so when I started my business, things were going well. And then the recession of 2008 hit. And I was very familiar with what's going on now. And, you know, I remember being scared to pick up the phone, scared to read an email because I knew it was another client telling me, hey, certainly we like you, but we have to end our contract with you. Uh, and then one, one day something strange happened. A friend called me from college and he said, Hey, I have this, uh, event at Harvard university that I'm talking at, um, in two weeks, but I can't make it. I had to be in Philadelphia that day. Do you want to do it? And at this point I've never spoken before. I was still kind of shy and I said no. And that whole night I was just thinking about it. Like, man, if I'm this scared about it, I have to do it. Long story short, you know, I did the presentation, I prepared for it, and it went great. And it was literally one of the best experiences of my life. And I remember when I closed my speech, the, the audience, they stood and they, and they clapped and they applauded. And I remember walking away from the stage and saying, wow, something changed. I really see, you know, an area that I can be different in. And I've kind of tied it into my book. My book is called Binge-Worthy Branding. And what I've learned about life and about business is you got to be different. You can't be like everybody else. You have to find out what makes you unique and special and then put all your energy into that. And that's what I've done the last few years. I said, hey, speaking and teaching is what I can do better than a lot of people. Am I the best digital marketer? Yeah, the best designer? Not really, but speaking? Oh, yeah, that's my thing. So the last few years, I've been putting all of my energy into that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the results have been uh, pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal. How did you know it was time to write binge-worthy branding? I mean, in addition to, you know, as speakers, they tell you that, right. you know, books are the new business card. When you publish a book, it automatically makes you right. an authority in a particular area. In addition to all of that, how did you know that this was the time for this book to come out? Yeah, um, so I, w- I was talking across the country at events, and media planners were asking me for my um, for my course description or my uh, um, my topic. And you know, for a while, I talked about digital marketing, social media. But then one day, I was like, "Everybody's talking about that. How can I be different?" So it started out as a speech called "The Future of Digital Marketing: Analytics, Automation, and AI." And I did the speech a few times. I did one time in D.C. I did it in Charlotte. I did it in uh, California. I did it in, I can't remember, it. Uh, Las Vegas, a lot of the places. And when I tell you, the response from the audience was tremendous. I mean, all these events were, were packed out. I would get there, come to the event. People were sitting on the floors. People on the side of the stage. These things are packed. And, you know, 
people were laughing. People were, you know, inspired. You know, uh, after I spoke, the line was 20, 30 people deep mm-hmm. asking me about information about the book. And I said, you know what? I have to turn this into to a book because, you know, if people are feeling this way about it, I've hit, I hit a nerve uh, and I need to take that and, and turn that into a book. So that's kind of how I knew. And you know, I was, I, I compare it to kind of being like a stand-up comedian. You know, when you go from city to city and you test out new content, mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. I was kind of building that, that case study. So I feel like the people told me that they wanted this book. They wanted to hear about this. So, I listened to my audience, uh, the people, uh, and then that's how the book became. Man, so Sterling, Sterling McKinley here on the Leading Well Green podcast is, I hope, I hope you guys have been taking notes. He's been, even in just a few minutes that we've been chatting, uh, dropping some insights and perspectives uh, just on how he's experienced growth and the things that you can do. Uh, as well let let's let's talk about sterling you've you mentioned something you listened to your audience and you pretty much just gave the audience uh, the things that they were requesting the things that they had affirmed as you were trying right. out the content like like a stand-up comedian so yeah. so help us with how that translates into you know our businesses as we try to make a name for ourselves and grow right. our brands what what yeah. what's what's the way now in today's context that we get that information and connect with our audience so that we have something to work from. Yeah, that's really what the book's about. You know, the book is called Being Worthy Branding. How to use AI and personalization to build a brand like Amazon, Netflix, and Starbucks. And, you know, if you think about it, for years in business, at least for myself, I was always just pushing products and services on my clients. You know, I had an idea, I woke up, I made the idea, and I pushed it on my clients. You know, but I did that for years. And kind of like I said, when I started public speaking, you know, I learned us to listen. And people are telling you what they want. So I feel like now we're in a new era of business, a new era of branding, where if you look at the marketplace now, the companies that are doing the best, like I named, like a Netflix, Amazon, Starbucks, these companies are all about their consumer. You know, they're listening to the consumer, what they want, and they're building brands and services around those customers. So I really thought that's the future of business. So, you know, whether that's doing surveys, whether that's using programs like Google Analytics or Grammarly or different other programs to survey your customers to find out what they want. When you can tap into what people want and you give them that, that is so powerful. And I think it has a lot to do now with the way that we are being trained by social media and cell phones. If you think about it, for the first time in history, we all have a device in our pockets that is solely about us. Your phone, you know, is set to the brightness that you set, the ringer rings, the loudest you set, you know, notifications, it's all about you. So now our customers are being trained to expect that from companies as well. So your branding can no longer be border plate. It can't be one size fit all. You have to find ways to tailor and customize your marketing and branding to, to your customers. So you have to just learn um, how they react and get that to them. I'll give you a quick example of, of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Netflix is, is, is amazing. If you think about it, no two people have the same Netflix home screen. Netflix does, they use AI and other technology to track your past being behavior. And then they recommend shows and movies based on your behavior. Now that sounds really simple, but for years in business, that was not how it was done. We just push products on people. But once again, when you can find out what they want and offering them content that matches their interests, that's where the magic happens. That same analogy can be applied to Amazon. When you go on Amazon and you buy a book, it tells you what books that you might like. They email you, hey, you bought this book, Sterling. You might like this book. Hey, you bought this camera. You should buy these lights. So that's the future of business is just finding out what customers want and giving that to them. You know, like I always say, be like their cell phones. Be like social media. You have to be all about them. You know, you have to cater to their wants and to their needs. Talk talk to us about AI a little bit, because I know some people, right. I guess, depending on the generational construct for you, right. when you hear AI, you think like Terminator and you know, <laughs> Cyberdyne or you, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you think like Wally right. 
and the ship that's, you know, right. taking over the journey. <laughs> so kind of, you know, give us like in layman's yeah. terms, you know, help us understand right. AI and how we are, have been using, you gave a couple of examples, but some more examples of how we've actually been right. using it and shaping our lives as a result of it without even knowing. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. That's, that's a great question. Um, so AI stands for artificial true intelligence and it's really simple. It's just a computer program that kind of thinks and acts like a human. And what AI can, can do, it can look at vast amounts of, of data and analytics and numbers and find trends in that data. And then it can recommend to you, hey, this is what you should do. So if you think about it, if you had a thousand customers, it would be very hard to respond to those customers individually. But if you have some kind of AI-powered software or program that can look at those customers to break it down, you can find trends, you can find patterns in that. So that's all AI is. AI is just simply a tool. And like you said, when you say AI, when you say artificial intelligence, People think about the Terminator. They think about uh, the Matrix. You know, we're not going to be living in caves soon. The world is not coming to an end. And I do agree. AI does have some negative aspects to it. You know, but that's just the way that man applies things. I mean, everything has a good and the bad side. I mean, cars are great. They get us around. But we also can get into accidents with cars. So I believe in technology, you have to be responsible on how you use it. You know, but I'm talking about using AI for good using um, AI as a way to really understand your, your customer base. So, you know, I compare it to the internet. Um, I remember back in 1995, 96, when the internet was just really catching on. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the old dial-up um, connection <laughs> that would sound terrible, and it would take two hours to download one picture. Uh, but that time, it was great. And I remember a lot of uh, people, economists, were saying that, the internet is going to destroy everything. It's going to destroy jobs. It's going to destroy the post office. It's going to destroy business, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, just like when, you know, uh, when Microsoft Word came out, people say, oh, my God, it's going to destroy copywriting. It's going to destroy publishing. But that's not true. These are just, are just tools that we can use to make our jobs better, to reduce the amount of time that we spend. You know, I'm old enough to remember typing on a typewriter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the pain and the agony, if you spell the word wrong, like, it was terrible. So now we have a laptop. We have Microsoft Word. We, we can type on it. It's just making things easier and making things better. And it's increasing our, our output of information. So, you know, that's really what AI is. It's simply a tool to make things easier. And, you know, I think about now, Technology in many ways has leveled the playing field. So for years, it was really hard for a business to compete with the big boys, to compete with a Nike or a Netflix, Starbucks. But technology and internet has kind of made things kind of level playing field now. So, you know, like I said in my book, the big companies, the Amazon, the Netflix, the Starbucks, the Hulus, they're using this technology. Mm -hmm. And this technology, though, is accessible. This technology is affordable. Yes, there's big enterprise solutions that cost tens of thousands per month, but they're very simple applications of AI, something like, like Grammarly, something like, uh, like Hootsuite, software mm-hmm. like this that can help you manage your business that's very affordable. So, you know, I, I believe that people can sit back now and they can turn their noses up at technology and AI and let the big companies just come in and just kill the market, or they can turn and say, hey, this is technology, let's use this to make our business better. And like I said, again, even the big companies, they're training our customers on what to expect from us. So like it or not, the experience I get from Starbucks, from Amazon, from Netflix, your customer wants that from your business. So you have to up your game now. It's no longer okay just to do business the way we already already done it. We've done it in the past. I remember several years ago, you know, signing up for someone's email list like many, many years ago and being excited because it felt like, at least to me, you know, man, this person is sending me an email every day. They must, <laughs> <laughs> man, they right. took time to sit down and type this, man. Right. And, and then realizing that it was an automated thing 
But then, right. you know, it kind of got my brain to thinking uh, years ago and now even years later of, you know, why is it why it's so important to be in a place where people are getting constant, constant contact from you or consistent contact. I mean, go let's go to our traditional mail service. We still get that, you know, circular, that postcard from Bath and Body Works or right. whoever every single month. But then, you know, you go in the store and they ask you for your email for your receipt, quote unquote. And, you know, it seems like as soon as I think about a product, that email shows up <laughs> yeah. in, my, in, my, in my inbox. Um, right. So, you know, kind of talk to us about this idea of the conversation, the, the thought that I had signing up for that email list a long time ago was I was thinking and even telling people about, yeah, I signed up for this and I can't even remember what the newsletter was, but I started promoting the thing that I had signed up for, for the person. Right. And, and can it help us understand as it relates to brand, the, the, the distance or the space between you know, what Bath and Body Works writes on their site and what my wife says to her friends about Bath and Body Works and how that plays into the, the company's identity and its brand. Right. Um, yeah, great, great question. So uh, one thing I do in my book is I define is what is branding? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different terms out there, what people mean, but branding is not a logo. It's not a flashy commercial. Well, things are, are fine, but, you know, your brand exists in your customer's head. You know, it's what they think about your brand. They think your brand is luxurious, is, is, is wealthy, is flashy, is simple. So branding is, is really key. And kind of you touched on, you know, as a company, you can set the tone for your brand. So your communication, whether that's via email, via text, or your website, that's, that's your branding. You know, that's the, the image or the feeling you're putting out to your consumers. And, you know, I have a part of my book where I break down the uh, three types of customers, and I go through those quickly. So the one type that you described is called the promoter. Mm-hmm. And the promoter is the person that is in love with your brand. That they'll tell your friend, they'll tell their friends about it. They'll get on social media, they'll write comments about it. You know, that's the promoter. And that person is great because that person can grow your brand. Um, also, there's a detractor. And the detractor is the person that hates your brand. They're the person <laughs> that gets on the line and leave a bad comment about the smallest thing. Um, and you have to find ways to even to, to cater to those detractors. So one thing I say now, too, I think companies are really use, losing, I guess, the focus on customer service. It's so simple, but you have to you know, respond immediately to customer inquiries. You can't wait on customers' uh, inquiries. You can't make it seem like you don't care. So responding to customers in real time as fast as possible, I think it's so key in branding now. And uh, then you have the passives and the passive are customers that really don't have any feeling about your brand. They have low customer loyalty. They probably bought you today because you're at a half price, <laughs> half price off. Tomorrow they won't buy you because you'd be too high. So um, it's all about, I like to say that customer experience is a new battlefield. So would you talk about your experience with your wife telling you about Bath and Body Works? That's the new battlefield. That's the customer experience. They're setting a standard in her mind through their verbiage, through their imagery, through their pictures, through the service that is resonating with her. And now she's telling you about it. So I think that that, that is very, very key. You know, brands that have been worth be kind of spread like that because, you know, they, they create those consumers that love their products and love their brands. Well, one of the things you talked about uh, in the book is this idea that one size doesn't fit all yes. uh, as, as, a, as it relates to finding these tools. Because some of us get that almost shiny object syndrome. We see a person interacting a certain way in a digital space and, and we say, well, if I got that tool or that software just like them and did everything right. like them, I would replicate that success. Why is, why is that so dangerous? Right. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that. I'm actually uh, working on a blog post now. It's entitled "All Coaches Are Liars," so um, <laughs> it's kind of harsh. 
But it's just kind of saying, you know, if I look on that line out, every coach is selling a package, it's selling a course, and they're promising results in 30, 90 days that you double or triple your business. And, you know, being in business now for the last 15 years and, you know, being older now, you know, I've turned 38 later this year, man, nothing happens fast. There's no templates. You know, there's really not. And people hate to hear that. You know, you can use a template inspiration, but you have to make it your own. You know, there's nothing you can get off the shelf and it just works. That's just not true. So, you know, a lot of what I do in my book is just work on people's understanding of something. Because I believe once you understand the technology, once you understand, you know, branding or marketing your customers, then the pieces become really easy to, to fit in and do. So you know what to post online. You know what to say to your customers. So, um, yeah, templates just don't work. And like you said before, when you first signed up for email, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, it was cool. It was exciting. Wow, this person's emailing me. <laughs> you know, but now customers like yourself are smart. They know that it's an automated message. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love too, you know, when companies email you and the email is do not reply. And I'm like, that is so, you know, turn off. <laughs> Don't send me an email that I can't reply to. That is crazy to me. You know, uh, so that's one, one tip that I have. But <laughs> once again, one side doesn't fit all. Your customers are unique. And like it or not, people are narcissistic on different levels. But going back to social media and our cell phones, these are narcissistic devices. They're all about you. So now when a brand markets to us, we expect it, expect it to be about us, mm-hmm. you know, touching our needs and, and, and our fears, our concerns. If not, we're going to keep, keep going. So, uh, you know, it's so important to really get an understanding of who your customers are and, you know, talk to them kind of as an individual. So, um, you know, I say in my, in my book, too, that, you know, it's time to step up your personalization in game. Uh, for years of emails, the email be personal. You had to include their name and their city. Mm-hmm. That's about it. In the in the header or subject line. But that's not really personal. So now I feel like we have to go deeper. We have to bring up their past buying history. We have to bring up other details about them as customers to seem unique because once again, I think we're in a new phase right now. You know, we're in this COVID society now. COVID is still out here. It's changing so many things. Um, the economy will probably go into a recession later this year. And people are only going to do business with companies, with coaches, with people that amaze them, that are just outstanding. So as, as, as our dollars become more, uh, more sacred and more important, mm-hmm. people are only going to deal with companies that are binge-worthy. So being okay you know, it's not good enough. Being standard, being one size fit all, it's not good enough now. You know, because the way things are in society, technology, in the world, and soon the economy, being binge brother, you have to stand out. You know, you've seen the stats. You know, um, Amazon is making more money. They're not losing a dime. Yeah. You know, and every day my wife is ordering a new package. It's, it's crazy. Um, I've recycled so much cardboard in the last month. It's, it's, it's wild. But why? Because their experience is about their customer. It's, it's, it's really uh, personal. It's easy to use. Um, if you look at Netflix, oh, now people in the house, streaming is going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because they had a service that's about their customer. They have a service that's different, that's, that's unique. And even look at, look at uh, Starbucks. Starbucks has seen some slight losses, but still, once this thing stops or gets back to normal, people need their coffee. People are going to be back at Starbucks. Why? Not just because of the coffee, but because of the service, the experience. You know, I always think about Starbucks, and I'm amazed at their baristas. Something as simple as saying the customer's name, you know, is so, so amazing. And you think about all the companies, restaurants that don't even do that. They take your money and just next customer you know so i think this this stopping and pausing and being human so you know it's not even really about technology yes you can use ai different tools to do that but this stopping and being human 
just talking to your customers, you know, uh, even myself, you know, when I talk down to meeting planners, you know, I'm talking about their kids, I'm talking about their day, and then we'll talk about money and things like that. I want to form that, that bond with you first. So, you know, that's what it's all about being, being ready. It's about forming that, that bond, being, being personal. Um, I think now people are tired of just, you know, companies that are here today are gone tomorrow. It's like when you buy a car. When you buy a car, the car man, the car salesman is your best friend in the world. <laughs> He's asking about your kids, your family. He said, hey, next week I'll be at your church. I mean, he's just all in. And then you buy that car, drive a lot, and you never hear from this guy again. You never get the email. You never get the note. Yeah, you can spend $20,000 with that guy, but you never hear from him again. To me, that's what we have to stop doing. It's about building a relationship. And when you build a really bond with your customers, then that will cause them to come back again and again to service from your company or from your business. And talk, talk to us how about how brands can make adjustments in difficult and uncertain times and what people need to hear from them. Oh, you talked about COVID and when COVID, you know, first started, I got an email from every single business right. I've ever yeah. done. Every right. single business I've ever done a transaction with in my life right. sent me an email. And then it was like that car, car salesman. I never heard, right. I've never heard from them since. Yeah. And then, you know, different things happen in the country, disasters and things of that nature. How, how do brands, how do, how do brands respond in those moments where it is uncertain, where they don't have answers, where right. there's, we're not even quite sure what we're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'll respond to, to your story first about getting those emails. It was amazing. I mean, companies that I haven't bought from in 10, 15 years were sending me emails. Mm-hmm. And it felt just so spammy. It's like, <laughs> you didn't think any time to follow me five years ago, a year ago, out of the blue, hey, how you doing? You know, I was like, wow. Um, and that's bad. Once again, it's people are being lazy. They don't take the time to build that relationship. So, yeah, you owe me now, but it means nothing to me. It's actually spam now. But um, back to what companies can do. Um, one thing I say in my book is that companies have to be forward-thinking. And you have to expect change to come. You have to expect things to be disrupted. And no industry is safe from disruption. You know, look at the story of, of Netflix and Blockbuster. At one time, Blockbuster was a king of uh, movies. You know, I remember going there on Friday night and it was a, it was a great experience. Like that was like going to the club. I never been to the club, but going to a blockbuster on Friday nights was like going to the club. It was, it was the best, but something came along in the late two thousands or early two thousands called the internet and it changed everything. And, you know, blockbuster was slow to respond to that. They ignored the internet and, you know, year after year they lost ground to Netflix. And now there's no blockbuster around because Netflix destroyed it. And I use that story not to scare people, but it's a real-life example of what happens if your company doesn't respond to changing times. So, you know, I, I think about now, could anybody have predicted COVID was going to happen? No, no way that happening. You know, but one thing that was predictable is that technology was going to become more and more a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. It does every year. So, you know, there's still so many companies and brands that, devalue their websites that divide social media or email or other topics like that. And they were, they were, they were hurting. Um, you know, I even look at like churches now and, you know, there were some churches that were really big on streaming, really big on social media years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, things are different now, but guess what? You can have servers virtually still, you can still touch even more people. A matter of fact, by uh, having your streaming services, you know, I look at look at uh, at Starbucks. Uh, there are a lot of Starbucks now that have drive-throughs. Now, did they know that COVID was going to hit? No, but they were forward-thinking. They thought about that. So now, yes, you can't go inside the store, but you can drive up. You know, so I think companies have to sit back and just think about what's going to come, and it's really I think about growing with your customer. You know, if you think about it. 
customers have been screaming for digital for years. And yeah. A lot of companies and brands have ignored that. Um, you know, I remember kind of, I like in this time we're in now to become kind of the pre-iPhone stage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you remember phones and phones were, phones were dumb. And that <laughs> I was remember. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, phones are great, by the way, old phones, because one charge lasts for like eight weeks. So it was amazing. But um, something happened, you know, when Apple came with the iPhone, uh, immediately all phones became irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. BlackBerry, um, BlackBerry, yeah, BlackBerry, uh, Samsung phones, all these phones that were cool became obsolete. Why? Because customers discovered apps that they discovered they could download music on their phones. And wow, it was amazing. And, you know, cell phone companies uh, are still scrambling and trying to keep up with Apple and copying Apple's design every day because Apple was forward thinking. Apple changed the game and, you know, companies had to respond, you know, and we're in that time now, that pre-iPhone stage where companies can still have time to invest in technology and time to to build uh, really strong bonds with their customers before it's too late. Um, like I said, time to change and customers are no longer going to respond for it, respond to a brand that's, that's static, that's big box, that's the template. They want things that are personal, but, but for years, think about it. People have been screaming for apps. Mm-hmm. Customers love apps. They love mobile websites. They love those things. So really, like I said, we couldn't all have seen COVID coming, but one thing we, we did all know for years now, I've spoke to so many companies and clients before that laughed at them and said, hey, you need a website. You need to put money into digital, you know, because things are changing. And, you know, when things change, you don't want to be on the outside saying, man, I wish we invested in apps or our website or or we had built uh, bonds with our customers. And, you know, then again, technology is just a way to build a bond with your customers. That's all it is. So, you know, I feel like a business now um, it just focuses on your customer. Find ways to keep up with what they want. Try to anticipate their needs, and I think if you do that, you go to make it through any season. You've you've had incredible success, Sterling, releasing this book, Bingeworthy Branding, and we'll do some promo at the end of our conversation to tell people how to get the book and to reach out to you. Uh, but you mentioned Bond, and I and I want to go back um, a little bit. How, when you first started having success in business and talking about, you know, the internet of things and digital, and you were able to show that success and growth to, to your, your parents, to your family, who, who many years ago kind of said, ah, stay in school. That's a nice idea to stay in school. Now, what was the feeling of, of being able to show them that this was working and with this decision that you made to go in this area with your career? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it felt very good, you know, to see uh, my parents happy what I was doing. And, you know, like I said, once again, something that was totally unlike my character and personality to do what I'm doing. So it was really great to see that because, you know, they were there when I was struggling in school and, you know, through my whole whole process. So it was really, really gratifying. So, you know, I always stopped during the day many times. I just looked up at the sky, you know, and just shake my head like, man, this all was this different a while ago. And I never saw this, saw this coming. So um, I'm extremely just grateful, really, you know, and mm-hmm. there were some people that were very harsh in the criticism. And, you know, I kind of laugh at them now. <laughs> like, ah, I, I told you so, you know, because... <laughs> It's funny. Everybody wants you just just to be the same and not be be, be different. And when you tell people your vision, your dream, they just don't get it, you know. And I realized something a while ago that that's why it's called my dream, my vision. You know, it's not mm. not your dream, you know. And really, maybe you shouldn't really get it because if you do, that means it's not very unique. So, you know, when I first started out, I used to get really mad when people, you know, doubted me or said this can't happen, but. As time went on, I took for motivation and sometimes confirmation that I was doing doing the right thing. Um, because fine, you don't see it, but hey, this is what I have in my heart. This is not what I'm seeing in uh, you know in the natural. What I'm talking with my clients, and I'm getting in, in prayer as well. And it's like, man, I have to do it. So you know, I find in my life sometimes that 
I had the biggest um, victories when I kind of went against conventional wisdom in a sense mm-hmm. and kind of went with my spirit, was in my heart. Because once again, man, if you get it, if everybody's doing it, uh, I don't know that, that that's that that's for me in, in a sense. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like quitting basketball, everybody said I was crazy, you know, but look what that did, you know, in school, starting my own business. Look what happens. So, you know, now I'm I'm 37 and I've started my business in 2003. So I've been in business you know, 17, 18 years. That, that's crazy for somebody mm-hmm. my age, but that's because I did something different. While everybody was out partying and having fun, I was in the library. I, I was reading and training myself, you know, and uh, when I quit my job, everybody said I was crazy. Yeah, it's the conventional <laughs> things to do. You know, they always say, by the time you, you're 20, the time you're 30s, you have this amount of money saved, this and that should happen. But I said, ah, this is what, what, I'm, what I'm feeling. I, I have to do it. So, you know, just for me, I think I've learned even more to really listen to, to, my, to, my, to myself, what I have, in, have inside, because mm-hmm. that's really my greatest confidence, because, you know, people will waver, and I've learned that, you know. One day someone might be on your side. One day they they'll be against you, and that's kind of human nature. But you know, I think I know my purpose, and I, I found what works for me. And I, I'm just going to do that. And you know, um, I guess with that I'll say my whole thing too is just I'm just being myself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I might get on stages like some speakers and cursing and saying f this and f that. You know, I'm not dancing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not singing, but I, what I am doing, I, I'm being highly personable. So uh, all of my talks, I break down digital marketing in simple and practical, practical, relatable ways because technology is nothing new. You know, Facebook is like when your mom had friends over, sit down and have tea or coffee or, or donuts and look at photo albums. It's as simple as that. So I'm always trying to relate things back to simple things that we all know. And really take out some of the fear that people have in digital marketing that they have about technology. It's not really true. Um, and then also this just humor. So I'm always trying to tie in pop culture references, things like that, that are, that are funny, that are relatable. So I really find being relatable and just being humorous have really just, just helped me make that bond with people. So, um, yeah, going back to your original question, you know, everybody now, of course, is sending me sending me flowers, and <laughs> you know, I'm getting the DMs on uh, Instagram, and had a few old girlfriends hit me up. You know, my wife wasn't too happy about that. You know, <laughs> I, I was like, "Baby, I told them they didn't believe me. I told them it's going to happen." You know, um, so now it just feels good. But I'm 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 extremely grateful and, and very humble, and you know all the things that happen in my life, you know, whether it's this year or in my life, I'm, I'm just humble. And, you know, I, I really don't understand how people sometimes become arrogant and can boast because mm, I've yeah. been on the box. I yeah. know what it is to be lonely. I, I know what it is to be, to be broke. I know what it is to be the janitor. I know what it is to have no clients. So now that I'm here, I'm just grateful, man. And, you know, and just, just grateful every day for, for what I have. And, you know, just, uh, I feel proud of myself for staying consistent to the vision that I had years ago, you know, despite the hardship, despite everything that happened and just having a vision and sticking to it. And, you know, in, in that, in that time frame, you know, I have so many friends from college that they followed the a new fad. Hey, Sterling, get in real estate. Hey, Sterling, get in trading stocks, this and that. Get in Sterling, buy the real estate. Now, all the things are, are great and it can happen, but, God has given me a purpose. He's given me something that I can, can excel in. I have to put my energy into that. Maybe at some time I'll start buying up real estate and these things. But right now, I have to put all my energy into this. So I, I think for me, the, the best thing is just being consistent and having people come to me, young and old people. People as old as 60, people as young as 10, you know, parents and saying, wow, you know what? I wish my, I hope my son is like you. You know, can you talk to him? Can he read your book? You know, all the people, hey, you know what? God gave me a dream years ago when I was in college, when I was 30, I didn't do it. Now I'm 60, 65. Man, I wish I did it. You know, you really inspired me. So, you know, that feels really good too. 
Man, so much, man. So, so rich. I'm grateful for this conversation, uh, especially to the people who listen to the Leading Wild Green podcast. You know, sometimes we have guests on and we catch them at the end of their career and they tell their war stories and we celebrate their successes. Um, but I also like catching people at the at the at the beginning or when the when the roller coaster just starts to take off and you see man, if Sterling could talk about openly being at the bottom and being sad and lonely and trying to figure out what to do with the gifts and in business, and now he's experiencing this tremendous success, you know, there's hope for me. So I thank you so much for sharing that hope, that perspective. Want to, before we plug the book, before we plug the book, I want to do one more thing. I want you to talk to, talk to us real quick about, you know, the, the dedication in the front and and the tough part about that, and then the hope in the back where, you know, Sterling lives outside of Washington, D.C. with his wife and his son. So talk, talk to us about the bookends of, you know, the, the dedication in the front and yeah. that line in the bio at the back. Right. Um, so, yeah, like I said before, it's been a really uh, you know, tough year. COVID started out. Then my, my father, uh, I, I got sick. He'd been battling illnesses for, for years, and, you know, um, he had a kidney transplant about um, about 14 years ago. And, you know, the funny thing is, you know, they said that his transplant only lasts about seven years, and he, like, doubled that. Um, but a part of that is um, because of the transplant, he had a weakened immune system. So, you know, pneumonia or anything, you know, a corona could be devastating for him. And, you know, sadly, he um, wasn't corona, but it was a restoring infection. And it just wreaked havoc on his lungs. And, you know, he uh, sadly uh, passed away. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was tough. It was kind of a surreal experience because, you know, you, you see stuff on TV, you hear about it, but it's different when you're actually going through it. And, you know, and um. I remember being with my dad in the hospital when he was still aware and awake and talked to him about, you know, my book and things like that. He was happy and excited and, um, you know, couldn't wait to, uh, to read a copy of the book. And it's just funny how things work out. So um, on my calendar, I had the date of April 2nd, circles for months, mm-hmm. probably since last October. And that was the day that I was going to release my book. And uh, unknown to me, that was the day that my that my dad passed. Um, so long, long story short, I didn't release the book because I just wasn't, uh, you know, in, in a place to do it then. And um, it was just tough, you know. And I, and I remember my dad, you know, when they had took him off uh, the breathing tubes and he was taking his final moments and we were there just, you know, praying with him and talking to him. And I was, you know, I was telling him, uh, my book, would be a uh, all right. I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> uh, dedicate dedicate to him, you know, and you know what, what he did because everything I talk about today that comes from my dad. I mean, mm. my mom, I, I love her to death. <laughs> you know, my, my mom is where I get my soft kind of funny side from, but as far as my spiritual backing and my belief and work ethic, man, that's my, that's my dad. Yeah. So, um, you know, this whole process has been very reminiscent of this to my dad because he was always working on something, had some passion, you know, I was always striving towards something. And that's something that I picked up as a child. So, um, yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, it, it's still still tough. You know, I still find myself just daydreaming sometime about my dad. And, you know, it's only been three months now, but it seems so long ago and it's not. Um, and I guess on the back end of that, my book, you know, um, I said, I live outside DC with my wife and my son. So son's not born yet. <laughs> so how far away? Know, uh, we are days away. Uh, <laughs> man, he's supposed to be born on July 30th. So it could be any day now. <laughs> it could be any day now. So, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my, my son, you know, it's it just funny. I was reflecting the other day and, you know, it's just crazy how life goes. You know, my dad saw me come into the world and take my first breath. 
I saw him three months ago, you know, take his last breath and transition, you know, and in a few days, I'll see my son take his first breath wow. and come to the world. So it's just, it's just a lot, you know, and this the circle of life and how things, how things happen. And, you know, I mean, from giving the eulogy of my dad's funeral to, you know, my dad's funeral being small because of social distancing, being 10 people there. It's been a lot, but, you know, um, going back to dedication, even my son, you know, it's about being binge-worthy. And I take that in a different way. Like I said before, it's about finding, uh, I guess, yourself, finding out your passion in life and, you know, putting your all behind that. And there's going to be tough times. There's going to be victories. There's going to be plenty of uh, losses as well. But, you know, just trying to uh, get through that and trying to just uh, persevere. So, you know, the book, you know, my son, everything I'm doing now, I know that, you know, um, you know, my dad's happy and I'm doing what he what want me to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this dad, so, I mean, the book is just full circle. So um, I remember when I got my book probably about a month ago, um, I ordered a hundred copies of my book and I sent those family and friends. I believe you bought a copy as well. Yes, Thank sir. You for that. And I signed the books and, um, you know, I got the proof for a few weeks before that. And I was like, eh, you know, the proof had some mistakes still. It wasn't perfect. And, you know, it was that. When I got, I got these books, man, I just started crying. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, yeah. everything, you know, just what happened the last couple of months. And then too, man, what nobody talks about is like the journey. Oh my God. Like if God had told me this what would it what it would take. I mean, I, I might have said no, but you know, the journey I've been on, the ups and downs, and you know, all you learn from that, I mean the victories and what you learn from the defeats, man, it's just a, a long journey. It's been like a 20-year journey from in college when I first had these ideas to see this now, you know, just amazing. And, you know, like you said, it's the start. This is the apex in a sense. And, you know, you hear that saying that there's no, you know, overnight success stories. And and that's true. There's not, there's no success story. There's no shortcuts. There's no program or template you can buy to skip steps. You have to go through stuff to uh, become, to become yourself. So, um, yeah, I mean the book it means a lot because all that that's that's uh that's happened and you know you know I feel great to put my, my dad's name in the book. So that book now is across the world and you know, it's in Walmart, Target, retailers, <laughs> Amazon, everywhere. You know, it just feels uh feels really good. So uh yeah, it's really is more than a book. And I add on one thing to that too about the book. The book's about stories. It's just not about technology i'm talking about my experiences you know meeting my wife or my experiences with netflix or starbucks or amazon it's really personal it's really really relatable it, it it's kind of my story and uh you know kind of you said that's what i found out was being relatable telling my my story because everybody has a story about about netflix about playing to watch one show and then <laughs> you wake up the next morning you watch a whole episode Everybody has that. Everybody has a story about going to Starbucks and drinking coffee or whatever your vice is. You know, everybody has the story about uh, Amazon ordering too much stuff for your wife, <laughs> your wife hiding packages under the bed. I mean, everybody has those stories. So just being being relatable, you know, like I said, is really this, this helped me. Um, and it's not your story. That's fine. But it's my story. It's unique. And, and I'm going to share that. Sterling, how can we catch up with you, follow up on your work, order copies of the book, all of that? I call this shameless plug time on the Leading <laughs> right. Green podcast. So just give us everything we got, you got. Yeah, so uh, I can be found on all social media platforms. If you just search SterlingMcKinley.com, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Sterling McKinley, you can find me on those platforms. Um, my website is uh, SterlingMcKinley.com uh, as well. Um, the book is available on all retailers, but uh, the best way and fast way you can get it is by going to Amazon and just typing in binge-worthy branding and seeing the book. And uh, You can buy the uh, paperback book 
the ebook, and in a few weeks, the book will be available on Audible as well. So if you're not a reader, you can also listen to the book in a few days. So uh, yeah, that's how you can find me in my book. And we'll make sure to drop that in the show notes so people have no excuse and they can get their copy of Binge Worthy Branding. I am actually holding my copy right now and also follow up on your work. My guest on this episode of the Leading While Green podcast has been Sterling McKinley. I know he sounds like a secret agent, but he isn't. He's the (laughs) author of Binge Worthy Branding. Thanks for being my guest today. Oh, thanks for having me. Great conversation with Sterling McKinley about his new book, Binge Worthy Branding. I put all the links in the show notes so that you could follow up on Sterling's work. And more importantly, you can get your own copy of Binge Worthy Branding. Sterling definitely knows his stuff and many companies, organizations rely on Sterling's expertise to better communicate with their audiences. Hey, that's all I got for this episode of the Leading While Green podcast. You know it's my mission to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. So until next time, take care and God bless.